So I'm going to read Hebrews 1, 1 through 4, and then we're going to pray, and we're going to get right into it. Okay? Amen? So let's look at Hebrews 1, 1 through 4. It reads, Long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things. Through him also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purifications for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Than theirs excuse me. Let's pray. Lord, I just want to thank you, Lord, today for uh, being here to preach your word, Lord. I ask you, Lord, that you would just uh, send your Holy Spirit and open our hearts, open our minds to your word, Lord. Help me to decrease so that you may increase. Allow me to be a mouthpiece for your word, Lord. In your name, Lord, we pray and we thank you. Amen. So every day, I, I have the joyful opportunity to meet college students. Sometimes we sit and we talk about careers, grades, college life, and of course, Christ. But being at an HBCU, I anticipated conversations about either Hebrew Israelite theology or even Kemeticism. And lo and behold, I got a chance to talk to a, a, a young student who believes in some aspects of the Hebrew Israelites. And for those who don't know, the Hebrew Israelites are a small group small group that believes that the African Americans and the African people, the Asiatic people, are the original Hebrews or Jews of the 12 tribes of Israel that were scattered across time and space. They believe many of the Old Testament and the New Testament scriptures directly speak to African people. They believe African Americans are God's only chosen people and no one else. I got a chance to speak to our brother Jerome here about the conversation. You know, if you, Jerome is, is skillful when it comes to this area. He's skillful in the apologetics when it comes to Hebrew Israelite and Kemeticism. So I got a chance to talk to him about it, and, and we got a chance to speak. And, and he was saying because of the oppression of people of color, they, they seek to restore their lost identity. Nothing wrong with that. But because their blind view of scripture, they miss God who made himself known. Thus, they can never be known without it. When I lived in Baltimore, I attended a midday Bible study for seven years. It was really great. And there was a man who kept introducing new things that were not in scripture. For example, he would make statements like, you know, Adam and Eve, they were really angels, you know. Then that makes us angelic beings. Or, or he would mention, you know, the Big Bang was because of the war in heaven. And he would say this all the time, and our friend Woody would say, now look now, I'm not going to do this with you today. I'm not doing it with you today. I don't want to hear all that mess. It was funny. It was great. But it was not enough for him 
that the greatest mystery in Scripture has, is that Christ has made himself known through the prophets of Scripture. He desired more knowledge about God, which is good, but, is, but it wasn't enough for him to continuously know the God who has made himself available throughout Scripture. Pull up the next picture of this uh, sorority. You know, uh, one of our college students uh, who's going to be baptized next week, Kiera, she came out Delta yesterday. And for those who don't know, South Carolina State had their probate show uh, yesterday at the stadium. And now for those who don't know what a probate show is, it is the revealing of new members of a fraternity or a sorority. And the person who pledged they are a mystery. No one knows who it is. Now, before probate shows, there are flyers, there are phone calls, there are text messages, group messages to stimulate your curiosity to come out and see who the mystery persons are within this fraternity or sorority. Some even post themes and motifs to, to make it more exciting. Each flyer, phone call, and theme and message and motif pulls back the curtain to reveal the unknown. The final pull of the curtain is, is the probate show. And each member takes off their mask, their shades, or a hoodie to reveal what is known, to reveal who they are. The flyer, the theme, the phone calls, the messages, the, the motif are, are, are the fulfillment in are fulfilled in those who have made themselves known. Like God in the Old Testament, through his prophets, he reveals more and more of who he is. In the final revelation, the final place where you pull the mask off or when you take the hoodie off or the shades is found in Christ. I'm here to tell you that we can know Jesus, the prophet, because he has made himself known. Let's look at verse 1 in Hebrews 1. Verse 1 says, Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophet. You know, during, the, our first point is, you know, during the Old Testament, God has made himself known through the prophets. That's our point. Each prophet, you know, Jeremiah, Isaiah, uh, Ezekiel, these prophets that you know in the Old Testament, each prophet, major or minor, gives a glimpse of who God is by revealing his character, his judgment, blessings, curses, grace, and even promises. Each glance reveals more and more of what is behind the curtain. This text also says that he spoke by the prophets in many ways. And sometimes in the Old Testament, God will reveal himself through dreams, through visions, through angels, or theophanies, which is like a visible manifestation of God, like when Moses saw the burning bush, or when Abraham was visited by the three men. It, it also says God revealed at many times it is the same God. If you read the beginning of most of the major and minor prophet, it always seems to begin with the word of the Lord came to. 
the word of the Lord came to Jonah. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. And that word Lord in every, in, in every part of that scripture is Yahweh. It's the same God. No prophet out there is doing their own thing. And though these callings of prophets were over several periods, God was the same, consistent with his providence, revelation, and promises. He was never swayed based on the cultural standard or the change of that culture. Though each prophet had different methodologies, their mission was the same because God was the same. Our second point. But now God has made himself known through his son. If you look at verse 2, it says, But in these last days he has spoken to us by his son. This word last means eschatos, or the, the last, final, the, the end times, the end of days. And this time is between the first coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus. That is the deadline. Don't you hate when, when people, when, when you're in college, right, and the teacher's like, here's the deadline, and you wait to the deadline to do the work? The Jesus is like, this is the deadline. There's nothing past this. This is it. This is the last days. If there are prophets, dreams, angels during the last days, they will no longer be glimpses like in the Old Testament. They will now point to the full embodiment of the revelation of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Pull up John 5, 39. This is what it says here. You search the scriptures. He's, this is him talking to the Pharisees. You, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it, it is they that bear witness about me. See, the Old Testament is all about Jesus. For, 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 for something to be historical, this is what I, I learned, is when, when something has to be historical, something needs to be observed with empirical facts. Empirical facts means you, you, you're able to use your five senses to observe the world around you. And, this, and that is what makes the fulfillment of, of, the, of the New Testament of Jesus historical. The apostles were a witness of Jesus. They could see him, they could touch him, they could smell him, they could hear him. Now they couldn't taste him because that would be kind of nasty, but they could taste the bread that he broke and the wine he poured at the Last Supper. And it makes it historical. The apostles are a witness to the fulfillment of the Old Testament through Jesus Christ. And this is why they had authority. They were also a witness that Jesus was not just a man, but he was the full embodiment of God because he is God. Let's look at verse 3, verse 2 and 3. Or oh, let me see, verse 3, there it is. It says that he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by his word of his power. This text says that Jesus is the exact imprint of his nature. This word imprint is character. It's just with a K. Well, it starts with a C, but the next C is a K. K, 
character is the Greek word. It mean or could mean nature or an engraver. And this word imprint is only used in Hebrew. It's in Hebrews, it's not used in any other place. And what I had to learn was that an engraver of the day would imprint, would imprint their uh, their print on a coin or a stamp. This print was the exact representation and the reflection of the engraver's work. Jesus is, the, is of the exact nature of God. It says he is the radiance of God's glory. He reflected who God was. Again, we, we, we can go back to the Old Testament and we get a glimpse of the revelation of God when you think about Moses. Remember, at that point, Moses radiated the glory of God from his face when he came down from speaking to God. But, the, but, but, he, but, but he also, but the difference was, the difference was this, the difference was they couldn't look at Moses' face. And eventually, the radiated glory faded away because Moses was not the savior. But now in the last days, we can look at Jesus and his radiance never fades. But he's also the prophet. You see, God spoke through the prophets. Hear that? God spoke through the prophets, but Jesus is the spoken word. Just like we learned last week, Jesus is the word. He is the logos. He is the embodiment of God's word. And it says in verse 3, and he holds up the, the universe by the word of his power. That makes him God. That makes him God. The prophet Moses in the long ago time, he again gives us a glimpse of what that radiance is going to look like. But when you read the rest of verse 3, you see the fulfillment of the promise of the Messiah through the prophets. See, they wanted, they needed a Savior who would come and rescue them from sin. And verse 3 says that a Savior did come and finish the work of God through his son Jesus, who was now sitting at the right hand of God. The work is done. There is no new Savior, no new prophet, nothing brand new is coming. The Lord is done. He is sitting, and he's taking a coffee break. Well, not a break, but he is probably drinking some coffee. All right. What about us? What does, what does this have to do with us? We, I mean, we weren't there during the Old Testament, and we weren't there when Jesus died. So what does it have to do with you and me? The point, one, one point I want to pull out is that, in the application is that you can trust God. You can trust him. Look at Hebrews 12, 1. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You know, Hebrews is a great book. I'm, I'm hoping to do Hebrews uh, at the, at, at, in, the, in the fall with our college students. We're going to go through that book. And Hebrews is a book that encourages readers to endure. The author is telling us about those before in the Old Testament, those who never saw the promise, 
yet they endured and trusted God. When I think about that, I, I, I can't help but to think about Abraham, how God promised him a son, and then God turns around and says, I need you to sacrifice your son. And Abraham says, and, and he, in, in Hebrews 11, and mentions that even Abraham knew he trusted God, and he knew that even God can raise the dead, that God is still going to continue even if I sacrifice my son. He's going to keep on going. And I know, I know, I know every day there is something. Every day there was always something. Man, when, when, my, when the battery came out, went out of my minivan, me and my, I always tell my wife, man, there is always something. I got to replace the battery now? You know, batteries aren't cheap. They're not cheap. Why can't they just, why can't they just get like a pack of batteries from like Lowe's or something and just put, but they don't work that way. There's always something, a flat tire, some political upheaval in the world, right? Somebody getting slapped at an award shows, foolishness at your job, unexpected expenses, problems at home, trouble marriages, school work, college life, new sins, old sins, the list goes on and on. And these things, let's be honest, these things can just put a toll, a heavy toll, and it can affect our trust when it comes to God. Because, we're gonna, because we think, what is God doing? Why is this happening? Is this right? Am I not trusting God enough? What's going on? He know I ain't got no money for no battery. Why would he put me in this position? Why? It's all kind of crazy things, right? But I'm here to tell you that you can trust God. Man's sin and inconsistencies across time and space never affected the consistencies and the promise of God and making himself known to you through his son, Jesus Christ. You can trust him. Next point is focus. The next point is focus on what is known. Focus on what is known. Instead of focusing on Christ, who made himself known, sometimes we try to seek some unknown, super-secret spiritual knowledge about God that is not in the Scripture, like I mentioned in the introduction. You know, we think seeking these super-secret things will, will somehow stir up God's attention and, 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 make, and make us closer to him. You don't need to do anything to get God's extra attention because he has made himself known. And you can know him too. My mother, who was a very godly, resilient woman, kept all of us grounded spiritually as we were, as me and my sons, I'm, excuse me, my brothers were in our spiritual walk. She kept us grounded. But there were times when she just wanted to continue to seek the Lord and seek the Lord, which is a great thing. We should want to continue to seek the Lord, and everything that we can know about him, we want to know. But she began to seek things that were unknown, and, and so she went from church to church, seeking some higher level of spirituality to further her relationship with Christ. If you look at Deuteronomy 29, 29 is up here, it says, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do the word of his law. You know, it really reminds me of how sometimes my son Liam 
will run up to me and point to the sky. You've seen him do it before. He'll run up to you and he'll just point up. He wants your attention. He wants you to say, oh, that's the light. Or he'll run to you and bring a little toy car and say, point to the headlight. Oh, headlights. He knows what it is. He knows his light. He just wants attention. And he doesn't have to get it. He's young, but he doesn't have to get it. I've made myself known. I'm here. He can always come to me. But like I said, there are times when we want to seek the unknown things. I remember there was a woman who was beginning to seek the Lord, and she went off on the deep end, and she began to tell us how, you know, she, she was sleeping with the Trinity and, 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 and all these weird things that I hear. And all of it really is to know the Lord or get his attention, but you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. Again, God has made himself known so that you can know him. And this takes me to my next point, my last point, application. We can know Christ because he made himself known again. I mentioned at the beginning of the sermon about the probate show, how the new pledges would take off their mask and reveal who they are. You now see the person's face. Afterwards, you can run up to them, hug them, high-five, laugh with them, give them gifts, whatever. Though there are aspects of God that are a mystery and always will be, yet he has made himself known. He's taken off his mask. He's revealed himself by becoming man. You can, the disciples could hug him. They could high-five him. They could laugh with him. Though it doesn't say where God laughs in the Bible, I'm sure he laughed if he was a man. God purposefully, purposefully didn't have to, but made himself known because he wants you to know him. He wants to be among his people. He wants to be with you. It's not about having an experience at the probate shows. It's about knowing the one who reveals themselves. That is the essence of the show. We spoke about this at, our, uh, at, 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 at breakfast Friday. We were saying how, how Christ doesn't want, to, to want you to experience him. He wants you to have a relationship with him. My favorite actor is Samuel Jackson. I love Samuel Jackson. But I don't know him. I can only experience him through his movies and through his cursing and through his loud voice. I love, he's a great actor, right? But I don't know the brother. I can't walk up to him and say, hey, you doing, Sam? He'll be like, well, no, I don't know. He hasn't made himself known to me. I only experience him externally through his movie, but I don't know him. But God doesn't want that. God's like, man, I want you to, I want, to, I want, I want you to know me. I've made myself known. Come over. Eat at, just like he told Zacchaeus, I want to eat at your house today. I want to be with you. He's made himself known. He didn't have to. The God of the universe has made himself known. In these last days, God fully revealed through his son, Jesus, who is the prophet, because the, he is the very word of God, and he has made himself known, and we can know him too. Let's pray. Lord, thank you, Lord, for making yourself known, Lord. Thank you for being the word, being the prophet, so that we can fully know who you are. 
so that we can know who you are, so, so that we, we can actually have a relationship with you. We don't have to experience, we can hang out with you and be with you and read your word and pray, and you will hear us, and you will love us like your word says, Lord. So we ask you, Lord, that we will continue to seek you and continue to, to know you. In your name, Lord, we pray and we thank you. Amen.